Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Judy Sedgman. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm joined today, as always, by my beautiful, wonderful, brilliant, and great therapist, counselor, mentor, and friend, Christine Heath. Aloha, everyone. And I promise you, I do not pay her to say all that stuff. That's very, <laughs> it's very from the heart. She's the best kind of friend to have, let me tell you. She sees, she sees the health in me at all times. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's always there. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, today uh, we're going to talk about separate realities, which is a term that those of you who have been around the three principles for a while have probably heard often. And I think it's kind of, uh, it can be, it can seem very superficial, separate realities, I was sure. Yeah, of course, everybody has their own world. But actually, it's, it's really, it's one of the great things to realize at a very deep level about how differences can get deep-rooted and very difficult for people without an understanding of thought. Because the truth is that um, when I think something, because of the way thought works, I become conscious of that thinking as my reality. So that's my reality. It's real as real as real can be. And if you think something opposite of me, and I'm talking about my reality, and you start talking about your reality, each one of us, without any understanding, is going to think there's something wrong with the other one. And you'll hear people doing that, saying, why can't you see this? I mean, I've had couples argue with me and say, I don't know why he's so stupid. He can't see what I see in this situation. You know, and then the, the husband will come in and say, well, she's just crazy. She doesn't understand. And the fact is, we see what we see. And other people's, you have to realize their reality is just as real to them and just as important to them and just as meaningful to them and just as certain to them while they're thinking it as my reality is to me, as your reality is to you. So you can't argue with people about the details. You hear us talking all the time about finding a feeling, finding common ground and all. It's not, a, it's not never in the details. It's the understanding that we're all attached to our own reality. We're all very certain about our own reality. And the only way a person is going to start to question that reality is if somebody's speaking to them from love and understanding and a curiosity about their reality and raising questions. And you'll notice when you uh, hear uh, various people in the three principles, when they do demonstrations and you hear people talking to clients, there are a lot of questions. You know, we don't say to somebody, well, you're, you're wrong. You don't, you shouldn't think that, or that's a terrible thing to say. We don't say that because it's that person's reality and the state of mind they're in. So we'll say, you know, why is that so important to you? Or where did you get the idea of that? Or why, did, why does that seem so uh, uh, real at this moment? And the person will say, well, you know, it's, it's obvious. 
then you can ask another question about it and so on. And as, as people start to reflect on questions when they feel safe, they can change their thinking. So separate realities is an, it's really an important thing to understand, not just to go, oh, yeah, sure, people don't always agree. It's, that, it's much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it literally, like we're walking around in, I think Kathy Casey said, our own little thought bubble. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like we have this, um, you know, those um, uh, virtual reality machines where you put on your eyes and you, you're, you see people and they're like fighting people and doing all kinds of stuff. But they're, that reality is separate from everybody else's, right? Well, actually, that's what we're doing all the time. We're walking around in our own thought-created uh, virtual experience of life. And you know, I'll tell you a funny story about this is when um, I was first married, um, actually I wasn't even married yet. We just moved in together and we moved, uh, I moved in with him, which then we decided we should get a new place. That was our place. That was different. And um, we were moving and we had very little furniture because my husband had gotten divorced and um, I had just moved to Hawaii like six months ago. I had rented a, you know, a, a place with, that came with furniture and I had no furniture of my own at that time. And both of us were really poor. So we didn't have lots of stuff. Right. And um, we were moving into it. And I said, honey, let's put the green sofa over here. And he looked at me, he goes, what green sofa? You know, like we we only had one sofa. Right. And I said, well, this green, you know, the, the the sectional. And he goes, that sofa is not green. It's brown. I was like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. He said, no, it is brown. What's, what's, are you trying to, you know, play with my mind? And, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, it was, he was dead serious. He thought it was brown. And to me, it was clearly green. So I thought, what's the deal? But I remembered that um, kind of uh, uh, inexpensive material, when it gets in with salt air, sometimes brown would turn to green. And I had seen a carpet that that happened to. And I went, oh, well, I see it today because I didn't, I don't have any memory of it when it was brown, but let me go check and see. So I pull out the cushions and sure enough, where the air didn't hit it, it was brown. And I went, well, of course. So his memory is based on when it was brown and then it changed and now it's green. And so he just sees it through his memory, right? And so I'm like, okay. So the next person that came to to visit at our house, I said, Come here. What? Somebody who had never seen the sofa before. And I said, what color is the sofa? And they go, oh, brown. It's like, what? <laughs> because I was so sure that clearly anybody who hadn't seen it before would think it was green. <laughs> so after that, everybody that came, I did this ongoing like survey of people that came in. And almost everybody thought it was brown, except for two, like, two other people besides me saw it as green. And, you know, that's a, that's a really simple thing. But if you think about how differently that means we look at everything in life, that we are certain that everybody sees it like that. And with couples and in relationships, that's what people fight over. It's like they, they have totally different perceptions of what's going on in their daily life. You know, it's not just little things. So, you know, it's like learning to navigate the fact that we live in separate realities is truly one of the things that we have to do to exist as uh, 
social human beings. You know, it's like, and, and it's the thing that gets in the way the most. I mean, that's why people come in to, for couples counseling or family counseling, because people have different ways of thinking and therefore seeing their reality. You know, it's funny too, when it, when, when it's not even counseling, like I used to do a lot of corporate consulting and I would do uh, work with firms that merged. Uh, this was back when the healthcare industry, everybody was merging with everybody. So you'd have two different cultures, you know, that somebody, some, the muckety mucks up on top decided, okay, we're going to merge these two healthcare systems without any preparation for how different it was going to be for people to live in a totally different culture, like whose culture was going to prevail. And the fact is they had to create a new culture that all of them could be comfortable in together. And uh, so I, I was actually pretty busy for about eight years doing all these retreats for healthcare systems that could not merge. I mean, they, the paperwork was done, the money had changed hands, but they just couldn't do it. And uh, they, you know, they would each keep doing things their own way and sort of like, it was like sabotage, but it wasn't intentional. It was just the way people are. So I, I had so many discussions with senior leadership who don't get into the details and the day to day. They're interested in the big picture the money passing hands and the healthcare industry policy and everything. They don't get into, you know, when are we going to buy the toilet paper and, and, you know, where are we going to store this? And do we have to have four MRI machines? <laughs> All these questions that people can't agree about. And, and so I used to do um, uh, a sequential series of questions to show how people have separate realities, but there's a way to get to the bottom of it. And I remember one time having a group, and I'm going to shorten this, but uh, I remember asking people, okay, so um, how many people in this room really enjoy and, and watch football all season, but never watch baseball. And there were quite a few. And I said, well, how many people watch baseball and never watch football? And there were several of them. And I said, great. So football people, why is it that you don't watch baseball? Oh, it's slow. It's boring. There's nothing exciting ever happens. It's hard to understand. It's cerebral, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, baseball people, why don't you like football? Oh, it's violent. It's mean. Uh, people get hurt. It's hard to watch all that banging of heads. And, you know, I don't like my kids seeing that. So they all had their realities about why they didn't like. And I said, well, would you call yourselves sports lovers? Oh, yeah, we love sports. <laughs> and, and I would say, okay, but you really hate baseball or you really hate football but you love sports. Do you see why that means something? And they're like, no. <laughs> At first. And I said, because there, sports is the deeper term, you know, watching. And I said, and what is it about sports that makes it interesting? Well, the first thing they all said was, you know, teams versus teams. And I said, so then you really wouldn't watch like a triathlon. And then one guy said, oh, yeah, I watch the triathlons, you know, when they have them on TV. It's really amazing. And I said, well, that's not a team sport. He said, no, it's not. I said, well, what is great about the triathlon? He said, well, it's the great athletes, you know, they really work hard to get to the level where they can win that. And it's a huge effort. And it's really meaningful because people, it brings out the best in the athlete. The athlete has to maximize all their potential. 
So we're getting to, and every time they brought up something, I'd have an exception. And then we'd get down to the fact that they finally realized, oh, that's how we merge. We have to find the terminology that we can use that brings us together, doesn't tear us apart. Look for the, you know, like one time I did a uh, training like that with a group of people in the hospital and asked them what was the meaning of healthcare, the essence of healthcare. And it took them half a day, but they, well, it took them actually a whole day, but it was not too many hours. But they got down to love. But they started, they couldn't agree on anything. But that is the meaning of hospitality. If you go to the root words, you know, it's caring for people. And when you can find that common ground, then the separate details don't matter as much. But it was, it was a really interesting uh, thing for me to see these grown people who could not even, they couldn't solve the simplest problem. And then they could when they realized how to do it. And, it, and really, that's the, that's the deeper intent of understanding separate realities is realizing there's no point being attached to your particular thoughts because we all have things in common deep down, you know, and deep down, it's like deep down, everybody wants peace of mind. Deep down, everybody feels love. There are things that are just common to humanity. And when you can get on, stand on that common ground, the details sort themselves out. Now, why do we talk about separate realities? Why is it such a big deal? And um, why are we talking about it on psychology as a backwards? Because most people, when you go to a therapist and you start talking about your problems, they're listening to the content of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Tell them about how you see reality. Right. And then frequently they'll say, oh, that's really awful. Or, oh, my God, that's a huge problem. We need to deal with that because (laughs) they now start to see reality as you're creating it, right? Now, the trick is, is that's interesting about this, is that when you're trying to solve problems and do that, if the person's state of mind changes, their reality changes, and they don't have that problem anymore. So the therapist is still back. Hey, did you, how'd you do with this? Did you fix this? And they're like, oh no, I didn't even, I I forgot about that this week. I'm onto something else. Right. (laughs) And then it's onto the next problem. But it's, it's funny because sometimes you, you can see people when they go to a therapist and not all therapists. So I'm going to put, but frequently they'll, you know, everybody around them knows they're kind of nutty. And uh, then they go talk to their therapist and they come back and say, oh, you guys are all the ones that are not, that are nutty. You're treating me badly. This is being done to me because the therapist is listening to that, that experience that they're talking about, but they don't realize that what they're hearing is just the person's thoughts about it, not actually what happened. Now, mm-hmm. it, when you do couples counseling, it's, it's like, very humbling when you do this and you meet with people as a, as individuals, right? And they tell you about their spouse. And, um, was like, what, one of my clients just did this the other day. She's, she'd been telling me about oh, her husband is supportive, but he's really quiet and doesn't do much. Da, 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 da. And she's like worrying, 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 busy, busy, busy in her mind. And she said, you know, I just got really upset with my husband because my son came over and he wanted to talk about this problem he had. And, uh, my son, my husband picked his guitar up and went and sat outside and played his guitar. Like he should be there, 
you know, helping to solve this problem. I said, no, you should have gone out and and, uh, listened to him play music, the three of you, and gotten in a better feeling. And then the problem probably would have gone away. That's a great story. Yeah, it's a great story because, you know, it's like he just, she goes, he just doesn't want to help with this, with, with my son at all. So I said to her, I said, how old is your son? She goes, oh, 41. It's like, oh. <laughs> so he's like, I'm out of here. I, I had enough going on in my life because they had a lot of other stuff going on in their lives. But he said, I had, I had enough. I'm going to go quiet down, right? Play my, my, uh, or his guitar or whatever it was. And so I told her, I said, you, you got to study your husband. He's the one you should be listening to about how to act here. But, you know, that's kind of what happens is, is that therapists will get caught up in the details of what you're talking about. They get caught up in, and in, in Sidney Banks said is, says in um, Second Chance, he said, details are proof to ego that problems exist. So when a client comes in with the problem, they're going to give you the details and that is the proof to them that this is really a problem. So then if the therapist starts to listen to the details and starts to construct their version of it, right, that's similar to what the client has, it seems more real to the client. And frequently they'll give advice to do things based on this uh, the way the client is describing it. And if you've ever been on the other end of it, where a person goes to therapy and they tell their therapist what a, a, a mean person you are, you know, like um, uh, I had a client once who was talking to um, his girlfriend's parents, telling them that um, his parents were abusing him and they just didn't ask him what or anything. They just assumed it was true. And so when they talked to the parents about it, the mother said, yeah, I make him take out the garbage. I make him pick up his stuff. I make him clean the bathroom. Yeah, we make him do all that. But you see what I mean? It's like if you're just listening to one person, it can seem like this awful experience is happening to you, to that client, and you get compassion, and you connect with them, oh, poor thing, that's awful. But you don't know really how much of that is real and how much of it is just the way they saw it or the way they thought about it because people think the weirdest things about things that are happening in life. They just literally see things differently. So once you know that, when a person's telling you their reality, you don't care so much about the details of it. You're not there to solve that problem anyway. You're there to help them get into a healthier state of mind then all that thinking drops away for the client and they see a different reality and it's over with. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, it works especially true with children. And it always makes me think of the story I had with them. I was working with a mother who had had a baby late in life, kind of an unexpected child. So she had like a 12 year old son and then she had a baby mm-hmm. and she was in, in her forties and she she wanted the baby and everything, but she was, she was not as agile as she <laughs> had once been uh, caring for two children. So she kind of wanted help from her son. And so she told her son, you know, if you would do this for me, it would really help because I clean on the weekends. If you would clean your room on Saturday morning before you go to play baseball, which I know you're going to do every Saturday, uh, that would really help. So he says, Oh, sure, mom. 
you know, and then she says, and I think he's, he's really jealous of the baby and he hates me. He's really resentful that I had this baby and he's very angry. And I said, why is that? She said, because he doesn't clean his room at all. He just lies to me, comes downstairs and says, I said, do you clean your room? He says, yeah, I'm off to play baseball and he leaves. And then I go up there and it's not clean. So he was with her. He was with, um, we were in La Conner and he was staying with her and her husband. <clears throat> so I said, can I talk to your son? <clears throat> and she said, sure, you can try. You know, she had a really bad attitude. And so the little boy comes in and I said, you know, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your, you know, how, how life is since the baby came. And he said, oh, the baby's really cute, but, you know, it takes a lot of my mom's time. So I try to help her. And I said, really, well, how do you help? And he said, well, I help, you know, with little chores. But he said, my big thing is to clean my room on Saturday morning. So he volunteers this, right? And I said, oh, great. Well, what do you do when you clean your room? So he says, well, I look around. And if there's toys out that I'm probably not going to play with this weekend, I put them away. But if they're toys I know I want to play with later, I just leave them out. And then, um, you know, I straighten out the bed and I kind of pull up the sheets and, you know, the spread a little bit. And um, I pile up the laundry. I separate the darks and the lights and pile up the laundry. And um, let's see. Uh, sometimes I, sometimes if there's like stuff on the carpet, I'll sweep it up or vacuum it up. And I said, and that's it. He said, yeah, yeah. He says it really, I'm really trying to help my mom though. So I asked his mom to come in. She's out in the waiting room and she comes in. And I said, okay, mom, when you said clean your room, what were you expecting? Well, she was expecting him to dust. She was expecting to put all the toys away. She was expecting him to change his sheets and make the bed up tight. She was expecting him to carry the laundry downstairs and put one load in the washer and get it started. She was expecting him to hang up, you know, jackets or something. It was over a chair. She was expecting him to vacuum and mop under the bed. And and he's listening to all this and his little mouth just fell. You know, he's just like, oh. And, and she looks at him and she says, now, how can you lie like you do and say you cleaned your room? And he said, oh, geez, mom, if I'd known that's what you meant by clean, I never would have agreed to do it. <laughs> it just cracked me up. She had said, "Clean your room," and she never, ex- she never explained to him what that meant. Right, and so right. he's living in a kid's reality, right? I straighten it out. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's—I mean, I think parents—you got to take a look at that if you're a parent, even a teacher, because kids' realities are not at all like adults' realities, and yet they're yeah. sincere. This kid could not have been more sincere. He really thought he was helping his mom. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's that's I think the case more than ever is we think that we're we're seeing the same thing, we think mm-hmm. we're on the same page because somebody says something, the other person goes yeah, but what they're saying yeah to is not really what the person is is talking about, right? Yeah. So one of the things that happens as you start to get this is that a you have a lot more um, humility about how, what reality looks like to you. Like frequently, if I get upset about something, I might call Judy and say, now, am I imagining this or did this happen in this meeting? Right. You know, like somebody will be disrespectful or something anyway. Um, and, and cause I can't tell, cause sometimes I'm, I might interpret it through my own insecure thinking and take it personally. Right. 
So, uh, but we check things out like that with each other because we know we can't trust our own, our own sense of reality because it could be altered by our own thinking and other people wouldn't see it that way. And when you start to see that, then you're kind of more interested in how other people see things and you don't get as defensive when they're seeing it differently than you do. It just mm-hmm. takes out all of that need to prove yourself and need to be right and all that because who knows? You know, like what, what insightful things you could come up with if you both merged your realities and came up with a third version better than either one of you had. Yeah. You know, I was, when you said that, Chris, I was thinking that's kind of what happens to people when they fall in love at mm-hmm. first. And then a lot of marriages fall apart when that, when that kind of ability to just set aside your own thinking and fall into the other person's world. Or, you know, allow the other person's world to come to the foreground and, and those things sort of fall by the wayside as life goes on. And that's when people start saying, I don't know, I don't understand this. We never used to fight and now we fight all the time. Right. And usually that's what it is. It's the attachment to your own reality and forgetting that sometimes it's fun to visit somebody else's world. And that's part of what keeps people close together and sharing life. Yep. Yep. It, it's a, uh, it, there's a lot to be said because the other thing, and maybe we need to do a, a podcast on this, is that when you understand separate realities, you understand the concept of psychological innocence. Yeah, that's a whole because new topic. It's a whole new topic, yeah, and we're yeah. just about done. So maybe next week, gang, we'll uh, talk to you about psychological insight. But for right now, you know, like remember the details are uh, the, the things that can trick you. And listen to your feeling, because that'll tell you about your reality. Right. That's that's the best advice ever. You know, it's, it, and people always say, you know, you feel most compelled to speak when you're most caught up in your own reality and certain that you're right. And that's when you really need to zip it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny because I do this um, group for men who get violent with their uh, significant others. And, um, we're talking one of the, one of the guys, he's just a young, young guy. He's a a young father. He's maybe 23. I don't know. But, um, he, he's, he came to group and he said, I did really good. I had a conversation with my, the mother of my child. And, and he said, oh, she was so wrong about so many things, but I didn't say anything. I, I really (laughs) wanted to talk to her and tell her how she was wrong and I was right. He said, and, and she was really upset and angry and she just didn't, wasn't seeing things right. She said, but I just realized I needed to keep my mouth shut and, <laughs> and, and, and not say anything. So he said, I just listened and we didn't get into a fight. Normally we always get into a fight because we get so caught up in how we see it differently. Yeah. That's great. It's wonderful yeah. seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, a miracle when you see it in your life. You just kind of stop having arguments. You might yeah. get angry. You might get situationally upset about something, but you understand that your reality is coming from you, right? How you see it doesn't mean the other person doesn't do bad stuff, but that's coming from their reality. Well, the time has passed again. We seem to always get through these, and it seems like it was only a minute ago. Yes. But it's been fun, and we will look. We will talk about next week. We will go further and talk about psychological innocence. So, yes. thank you all. Have a great week. Aloha. 
We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 